Hey everybody, this is Gus G, and you're listening to Diary of a Madman, the Ultimate Aussie Podcast. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Diary of the Mad Men, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne podcast where we geek out about all things Ozzy and Ozzy related. This week we're super geeked for some of the recent Ozzy news that's come out on social media. We'll talk about that in a second, but in the meantime, I am Josh Crum and he's Mr. Dan Drago. How's it going, Dan? Hey, how you doing, man? It's been a while. I know, man. We recorded the last episode before you went on vacation, so we recorded it early, and I feel like I haven't seen your face in several, several weeks. I know. Same here. I've been having dreams of your face, though. Like, since I haven't seen it so much, I've been dreaming of you. Well, that's a pretty good thing to dream about. There can <laughs> definitely be worse. Can definitely exactly. be less handsome things to dream about. So, that's yeah. right. <laughs> hey, that's right. Absolutely. But yeah, it's been fucking crazy. I took my family to Disneyland, and that sparked a whole conversation between me, you, and Ryan about where Ozzy took the those pictures with randy and it was disney world and fucking you know the crazy thing is then ozzy posts like what two or three days ago the picture of them at space mountain saying it's at disney world and i just thought yeah what are the odds man that to me that was kind of weird because we'd been having that conversation i did all this research on it and found out it was disney world and then ozzy posts it it's kind of weird yeah that was weird it was legit like two days later yeah right get online and then he posted those photos of like you said space mountain over the space mountain and all that kind of stuff so yeah (laughs) that's so cool yeah well, I was going to try to take a picture of my family on the steps. That's got to be something I have to do when we go to Disney World. Because the bench, I think, is gone. They took the other picture on. So that part's changed a lot. But I got to find those stairs that they took those pictures. That's something yeah. we got to do. The three of us, me, you, and Ryan, got to take our families to Disney World and all of us replicate that picture. I've done Disney World, man. I don't know if I'm ever going back. But <laughs> really? <laughs> we will see. My kids were at the wrong age, dude. They were fucking miserable. They wanted to go back to the room and swim the entire time. Time and my wife had already paid and planned all this out. You know, like everything was at a certain time. We had to be here, or there. It was fucking awful. And my kids made it miserable, not Disney World. So that's their so, fault. Right. But I have saw those steps that you speak of, man, that they go right up to Magic Kingdom right there. It's yep. uh, totally crossed my mind when I walked up them for sure. Well, we know I'm the old man of the show, so my kids are much older, but they love Disneyland, man. So we try to go once a year, once every two years. We love it. Yeah, I think mine are at an age now. They were seven then. Now they're 12. I think they would enjoy it more today. We went at the wrong time. We thought it was the yeah. perfect time. It was the wrong time, for sure. Yeah, They were too big that we couldn't push them in a stroller, but too small to really want to walk around that park. So, and there's a lot of walkers. Yeah. Oh, it's a ton of walking. Yeah. So it was uh, not the most enjoyable vacation, but. Thought I texted you. I think I walked over 10 miles that one day. Did I not text you guys that? No, but I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> I, I remember looking at my steps going, I got to text the guys. I walked over 10 miles today. It's crazy. That's fucking crazy, man. Yeah. Hey, man, I've lost 12 pounds. I've been on diet. Have you really? That's happened since I've spoke to you last. Hell yeah, oh, man. Fuck. That's awesome. Congratulations. Tired of being miserable. So, so I'm being miserable in other ways than hungry. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so while I was out riding over the Space Mountain, you saw Judas Priest. How was the show? Oh, hell yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah, man. Uh, Judas Priest in Queensryche in uh, Charleston, West Virginia. It was fucking awesome, dude. Priest still kicks total ass. Glenn Tipton came out for the encore, which is totally awesome. I know he'd been at several of the shows, but I didn't know if he was doing them all or not. And I kind of had stayed away from the set list and so on and so forth. I'm one of those. I like to be a little bit surprised when I go to a show. I try to 
avoid the set list and surprises and stuff. Yep. So right, but except yeah. for Dazi, we're uh, looking the instant it's put out. Can't resist it, you know. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool, man. Glenn was there, and, and they still sound really fucking good, man. Priest is still kicking all kinds of ass, you know. Halford, he of course doesn't hit some of the notes he hit back in the day, but to me, his age, he's still got a marvelous fucking voice. Love Richie Faulkner. He really fucking brings the whole band together. I, I feel like he's the central focus of the band these days. Like he's just such a powerful force on stage. Of course, Andy Sneap was with them, and uh, it was fucking killer, man. It was great. I had a good time, and it was some killer seats. I think it was like fifty bucks. The price wasn't that bad, and I sat right down beside the stage and had a fucking blast, man. It's killer. So come to find out, you're a celebrity. I thought that was really awesome, man. Look at you. Oh, yeah. yeah. For those of you who may not know, <laughs> but on social media, we shared a photo that a dude at the show, his name was Chad Fisher, and uh, he recognized my voice and said he remembered me saying on the podcast that I'd be at that show, and he actually just recognized my voice, and he was sitting right fucking beside of me. It was the weirdest damn shit ever, so literally like right beside of me, the nicest guy. So There was cool people all around, man. That's one of my favorite parts of any metal concert. It's just fucking talking to people, man. Every Everyone's cool as fuck. It's like 20,000 people who have the same interests you do. Right. And it's fucking awesome. We were talking Jakey e. Lee. Me and Chad was talking Jakey e. Lee. The guy in front of us was a big Jakey e. Lee fan. And the dude behind us was cool as hell. So, yeah, it was it was a blast, man. I got to say, Queensryche was kick-ass also. And I'm not really a huge fan of that band. They were fun to watch. And they played a very non-typical set list. That's interesting. Which, like I said, I'm not play, the biggest fan. but They didn't play but, Empire? I don't know that song. <laughs> Maybe they played that minute. one. <laughs> Holy shit. Wait a minute. You don't okay, know I gotta, Empire. I got to pull it up now. Hold on. Give me a Holy second. fuck. That's their best song, dude. <laughs> I just never listened to them a whole lot, man. I don't know. I just never did. I'd have to say I've saw them with Jeff Tate a few times, but I've not seen them with Todd LaTorre yet. And uh, I think he's a fantastic singer. I probably should go see them. I'm not the biggest fan, but I'd have to say I do think that they're a great band. Some of my friends are diehard Queensryche fans. And uh, yeah, he is a monster for sure. Yeah, they played Empire. Queen of the Reich, Warning, Enforce, Oh my God, Six, Empire, The Whisper, Operation Mindcrime. I do know that one also. The Needle Lies, Take Hold of the Flame, Screaming in Digital. You don't know Take Hold of the Flame? Sorry, no. How about Queen of the Reich? Queen of the Reich is amazing. The Warning? Sorry. The Warning is awesome. I apologize. Uh, Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) So you would have liked that set list. Yeah, I would have loved it. That's awesome. So, and Priest had a fucking deep dive set list too, man. They played some fucking deep cuts i was really impressed with their set also i love the fact that they're doing it right right it's their 50th year anniversary and i love the fact that they are absolutely playing some deep cuts throughout their whole career that's the way to do it man fantastic yeah man i mean they opened up with one shot at glory how fucking cool was that lightning strikes got another thing coming free will burning turbo lover which may be my favorite priest song i love that one for some reason hell patrol the sentinel a touch of evil rockarola victim of changes yeah desert plains which was the first night they had played that one on the tour they hadn't opened that one up until that night diamonds and rust painkiller electric eye hellbent for leather metal gods breaking the law and living after midnight i mean that's a pretty fucking kick-ass set from the priest right there man especially for their age man i mean to play that long is pretty respectable man they're the gods they really are the metal gods i fucking love them i'm so mad i didn't go see them when they were in town i'm so glad to see them out there playing and most importantly i'm super happy to see a richie faulkner back on stage with his health scare and b glenn tipton coming out because ozzy had just said him and glenn have been talking a lot since they both have parkinson's and it's just great to see glenn out there 
even for just the encore. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the perfect way. And, you know, people jogged my memory with that. If you'll recall, Sabbath mentioned doing that with Bill Ward for the That's 13 right. tour. You know, that was the thing that they had offered Bill Ward to come out and play the encore just so that he would have a presence and be there. And he, of course, declined that. And that's a whole other topic for a different day. But watching Glenn walk out and perform for the band and how excited everyone in the crowd was to see him, it could have been the same way with Bill Ward, man. If Bill truly can't do a full two-hour set and – I don't believe he can. It's just my yeah. opinion. Yeah, and they could brought Bill out to do this, right? Yes. Iron Man, and- Children of the Grave, Paranoid, end of show. End of show. And the crowd would have loved it, and Bill would have still had his moment also and still been involved. You know, so I wish that would have worked out that way. And seeing Priest do it with Glenn Tipton showed him that it really does work. It was very exciting, so. Speaking of Priest, how excited is this? Richie just came out and said that they are done writing the record. So now they're just ready to record it. I know they're saying it's a little bit more progressive than Firepower. Firepower is loved by fans. I think it's been a great rejuvenation for them. I like it a lot, but I also really like their last two records, well, three records before it. But it's great to see them continuing to write. And I think Richie and Rob have a fantastic writing chemistry. Even though Glenn is also involved, I think we all know that Richie's been contributing a shit ton to the writing process. Yeah, no question and like you i'm very excited to hear that it's like uh bruce on the family guy oh and the adventure begins again you know right. it's like the anticipation it's like the new fucking Aussie record this anticipation man for new material is just so fucking fun but miserable at the same time right like it it's, is. you're just like okay you got the album written let's go fucking record it because dude i thought firepower was absolutely excellent like loved it loved it and uh, I'm excited to see how they follow it back up, man, because I just like the trajectory of where the group is on with the current lineup. And I think it could be fucking awesome. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I thought Firepower was solid. You know, I like some of their later records a little better. And I know that's not a popular opinion, but I do think Firepower is excellent. I'm looking forward to them changing it up a little bit. One thing I love about Priest is a lot of times their records are a lot different. So from one record to the next, it's just a completely different vibe. So that's something I've always loved about Priest. So I'm kind of anxious to see which way they go. So also Megadeth opened up their tour this week on the metal tour of the year. They were down here in Tucson. I didn't get to go down there, but kind of shocking. They only played 10 songs the first night and now they just played 11 songs. They've added an additional song down here in Tucson and their set list was Hanger 18, Dread and the Fugitive Mind, which is a very underrated song. They've added The Conjuring back into the set, which is fucking exciting. She-Wolf, another super underrated song. Trust, Sweating Bullets, their most overrated song. Conquer or Die, Dystopia, Symphony of Destruction, Peace Cells, and Holy Wars. Kind of a greatest hits. I like the fact that they're doing what Ozzy should have done, which is keep two songs from Dystopia into the set, which I think is cool. I love when bands do that because it gives them more of a classic vibe instead of just getting the last album out of the set list. You know what I mean? For sure. Dystopia won a Grammy. It'll always be in their set list at this point. Exactly. And there's some songs they have to play. Peace Cells, Holy Wars, Hangar 18, and Symphony of Destruction, Sweating Bullets, unfortunately. I'm not a fan of that song. <laughs> We're picking up on that vibe, man. Yeah. I didn't realize you had a beef with Sweating Bullets. What the fuck? I, I think it's the, <laughs> my worst liked Megadeth song, to be perfectly honest. Really? That's yeah. interesting. I, I like that one pretty good, but okay. Uh, not me. It's so overrated. I'd much rather hear She-Wolf, dude. She-Wolf yeah. is a great, great metal yeah, that's song. that's a good one. It's so cool that they add that in the set list. For sure. And like you said, Dread and the Fugitive Mind, that's fucking a cool one to have in there oh, also. Yeah. I gotta say, man, it is a brief set, but I really like the set list. As a diehard fan of metal, and when, and when you're in on a band and you know the catalog, you know, like we do Ozzy or Megadeth, it's so cool to hear that deep cut. 
when Black Sabbath broke out Hand of Doom on the end tour, it was fucking like the highlight of the show for yep. most of us that's seen them a million times, right? Because it's a deep cut. We've not heard it live in years, like since the seven, early 70s even. And I love that moment, but I do understand that for a typical crowd of 7, 8, 10, 20,000 people, man, you got to please the masses. And the hits are what does that. So I do understand having a greatest hit set list, but I love when you can just drop one or two hopefully two, maybe three nuggets in there for the fucking hardcore fan who is hearing something that maybe they've never heard live or is a little more rare or one that they love that maybe other people don't know because that makes it fun for us also. Kind of like when we said on the last episode, I was waiting for Waiting for Darkness the whole night from the Aussie set. Right. I didn't care about any other fucking song that night. I wanted to hear Waiting for Darkness, right? And literally I waited till Darkness and never got it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The funny thing is too, it's really cool that he brought The Conjuring back because he had publicly said he was never going to play it before because of the satanic overtones and just like blackie lawless won't play animal fuck like a beast anymore i think he's having a change of heart on that as well so for me personally being a much bigger fan of the first three megadeth records they're my favorite so to hear the conjuring in the set list would have freaked me out that would have been awesome yeah that's fucking cool man but yeah cool set it is a little brief but dude dave's had his own set of health issues and i think when you buy tickets for a package tour i know for me when i buy package tour tickets i expect a shorter set they say it won't be it always fucking is i went and saw kiss and motley Crue, and they're like oh it's full performance you'll see each band played a fucking hour right everyone knows kiss plays two fucking hours so don't tell me this is full performance am i getting the full spectacle yes they did all the theatrics that everyone knows them for they did the whole show in that respect but you also didn't play 10 songs that you typically play either so you know But, you know, when you buy package tour tickets, I kind of expect that. And I think, you know, 11 songs, I can handle that. And especially with the situation Dave's been in, that he's not in the best health himself and he's very stiff and, you know, his neck and everything's been going on with all that. So I'm just glad to see him out there. And uh, I'd love to catch him. They were scheduled to come in my area originally. And then when that tour got canceled and they rescheduled the dates, they left it off. I guess ticket sales may have been shitty or something. Who knows? Well, it blows my mind. They picked Tucson instead of Phoenix. I mean, Tucson's a good two hours and 20 minutes for me. So it's a little bit of a hike, but I've gone to Tucson to see Ozzy and a few other bands, but I got to really, really love the band to go do that. I'm shocked they didn't pick Phoenix. I don't understand it. I live down in the hills, deep in Appalachia. And if I go to pretty much any show, I got to drive two and a half, three, four hours to fucking oh. get there. But that's beside the point. Right. We do have an arena in my hometown that gets some cool shows. Like they've had Alice Cooper a few times and Poison and Foreigner and shit like that. And that's awesome. You know, better than nothing for sure. And I'm, right. and that's literally like right fucking here. So excited to have that and do appreciate what they have brought to us. But typically outside of that, if it's a major show, I got to travel at least two and a half hours or so. And the big news is is they're about ready to drop a new single megadeth so super excited about that the album has a date i think it's june 8th that's super excited that their album's finally getting released because that's been held up for a long time it's been done kind of like somebody else we know so great to see that it's finally got a release date and they're releasing a new single any day now dave mustaine dropped it on 80 trunk right and he didn't know the exact day but he just literally said any day so keep your eyes and ears open for new megadeth can't fucking wait to hear it man the last one dystopia was kick-ass so i'm excited for this one one more thing I want to talk about this week before we get into some Ozzy Osbourne talk is the Red Hot Chili Peppers released their new album, Unlimited Love. And the thing I want to bring out about that is that it did debut as a Billboard number one. Dan and I talk a lot about Billboard charting. 
and how important it seems to be to us. So anytime we see a rock album go number one, that is definitely exciting and happy for Chad Smith and the guys. You know, Chad Smith played on Ordinary Man and will be on the new Aussie record. So very excited for them to debut at number one with their new album, Unlimited Love. And, you know, the numbers on it, Dan, actually are doable for the new Aussie record. What do you think? I think they might be a little higher than what Ozzy's going to do. I think it really depends on the first single that Ozzy releases. But their numbers are great. They sold 97,500 units in the first week, debuted at number one. Album sales, so that includes vinyl and CDs, were 82,500 of it. So 14,500 were units of streaming. I don't know what TEA is, but that was 500. But SEA streaming units were 14,500. So again, the rock and metal guys show 82,000 of these albums sold were actual purchased. And the cool thing about it is Flea came out and talked about how it was all analog recorded and the vinyl was done exactly how it was done back in the day. No computers. So I'm actually thinking about picking it up just for the sonic value. I've not heard the album yet. I like the Chili Peppers, but I'm not a huge fan of theirs. But for some reason, I like their singles. Like I can listen to a song come on and get into it but for some reason they're one of those bands that i just can't listen to a full album straight through it's hard to explain but that, no, that's how they are because me. that's exactly how i feel i'm the same way i love the hits when i deep dive into a record i typically get yeah i tire of it and right. i usually move on to something else yeah but totally excited for them and like you said to record straight from tape to vinyl was fucking awesome i'd love to hear it also yeah uh, absolutely but once again, hard rock fans proved that we buy physical product, right? So the mass majority of that was physical sales. And I agree with you. I think that number is a little higher than Ozzy's going to do at 97,000, 97,500. But uh, I think if he can get in that ballpark and have the right timing, he could pull off a number one album with that. Well, we talked about this today, me, you, and Ryan. And we don't know if the Post Malone single hurt his sales or helped his sales. I think I'm on the page that I hurt his sales because Post Malone fans don't buy records metal fans buy records so i think the metal fans stayed away a little bit from ordinary man at first because they didn't want to deal oh post malone andrew Wah, you know you know how they are but i think if they come out with like let's just say the tony iomi track is slamming and is the lead track from this record and everybody is like holy fuck this song is so good i think he can hit that hundred thousand area like the chili peppers just did but if they release a single that's not super strong i don't think he has a shot I agree with you totally, man. Ryan had made the point, well, he had the post Malone push and still didn't get there. And I was kind of like, yeah. And then you responded with what you just said, literally in text form. And I was like, Dan's fucking right, man. Like the post Malone, Andrew Watt mix, I think kept a lot of metal fans from buying Ordinary Man from the get-go. And furthermore, hardly even checking it out. And there's a lot of people completely turned off by that. This nonsense, they shouldn't be, is a good fucking record. That's a good song. But I do think that initially hurt album sales. And the the record kind of had to prove itself after that to a lot of metalheads. And I'm like you, man, with this new record, you know, we don't know this for definite yet, but if you have Zach Wilde and Tony Iommi on the same track together, and like you said, if that's the lead single, well, all of a sudden your Black Sabbath fans are purchasing it, who maybe are not so much the biggest Aussie solo fans, but they love Sabbath. Well, they're going to buy it to hear Aussie and Tony again, right? Your Black label fans are going to buy it. Zach's last few records have charted really fucking good on Billboard. So the Zach Wilde fans are going to buy it. They're excited. So I'm like you, man, if that is indeed the lead single and if they're both on it together, 
Hey, that's a fucking wet dream for an Aussie fan to have those two together on a track. I mean, fuck, it's awesome. But I'm like you with a strong lead single and you could pull from the other directions of metal fans and pull them back into the Aussie camp where some of them checked out on Post Malone and Andrew Watt. That could be the push he needs to get those physical sales up. And let's just be honest. Like you said last episode, we need physical sales. The streaming sales are not going to do it for the metal bands. It's just not going to cut it. Agreed a thousand percent. And we're going to get to a little bit of that in a little bit more detail later on the show. Exactly what we're talking about here. So talking about Ozzy's new album, based off of the sales of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Chad Smith was just on Chris Jericho's podcast, Talk is Jericho, this week, last week, and he let out some killer information. We found out that the album is mastered and ready to go, which is super exciting because it's been nothing but crickets. We've been bitching about it week upon week upon week over here that we're not hearing anything about the new album. Chad Smith came out and talked about that Josh Homme from Queen of the Stone Age is on the new record as well. Mike McCready from Pearl Jam is also on it. And he dropped some cool nuggets, talked about how Tony Iommi gave them a whole bunch of riffs for them to sift through for his track. And they picked the best of the best. And Andrew Watt played bass on that song. Zach Wilde is all over it. They asked Jimmy Page to be part of the record, but he declined. So, so many cool nuggets that Chad Smith gave out on that interview. And I'd highly recommend to check it out. Chad 100% has diarrhea of the mouth. And I bet Sharon Osbourne fucking hates it because when he gets to go on and he gets excited, he lets it rip. But I what love I love it. about it, yes, what I love about Chad Smith and about that is that it's excitement, man. It's pure fucking excitement. He loves being involved with the Oz man. He fucking fa- loves it. He does. And he's so respectful of Ozzy. And, you know, the other thing that I love, too, is when he was telling the story about the Eric Clapton solo, which he's really jazzed about, that Eric Clapton kept sending it back. And they were like, yeah, yeah, that's good. But with the wah, you know, they were like, we want it to sound like cream. And he kept, he kept like saying, yeah, him and Watt were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now with the wah, with the wah. You know, yeah. we want that classic cream sound. So we obviously know there's a wah on that solo. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And he also said that Jeff Beck solos on two tracks. Yeah. So Beck that's is right. going to be on the album twice. And another nugget that he dropped outside of the Aussie album that I really loved was he told the story that he has always been told that he is Rick Rubin's bullpen guy, meaning if I need a drummer, you're my guy. And he admitted in a jokingly way that he was pissed off at Rick Rubin when he didn't get asked to play on Black Sabbath's yeah. 13 album, which I found extremely interesting. I wouldn't trade Brad Wilk for anything because I think he was fucking amazing on that album. I, I remember hearing it and just being blown away by how good his drums were and the swing that he played with. But I got to say, Chad Smith would have fucking killed it all. So there's no question. I agree. He would have been fucking fantastic. And he would have brought a different energy. Like, I thought Brad Wilk was great too, but Chad Smith just has a different energy about him. And it's in his playing. But yeah, that was a great story. I thought it was interesting too that they wrote the whole album over four days, five hours a day. So musically, the whole thing was written over 20 hours. And recorded. Written and recorded. That I love. Matter of fact, to me, that's a very Beatlesque style and vibe. Write the record and record it right away. So that's referring to Ordinary Man, which Chad jokingly said, was his consolation prize for not being on the Black Sabbath album. That <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love that about and, it. And, and now he's so excited because he's on the next Ozzy album again with Tony Iommi. And he's like, so now, you know, I've got two fourths of Black Sabbath. I'll fucking take it, right? Ozzy then came out with a post on Saturday, which, uh, first of all, and I'll let you read it, but I just got to state before you read it, the picture is fucking badass. And I have a feeling that's going to be the album 
album cover theme. No question about it. But how great is that fucking picture? Man, Ozzy looks so fucking cool in that picture. And it, it's what we've talked about a whole lot on this show, man. The mixture of the gray and the dark together. And it's just so, as we said before, menacing. It's fucking perfect. You know, one thing, Dan and I, we are honest about our opinions. And typically, we love Ozzy so much that we do side with everything he does for the most part. We acknowledge that. But when he's wrong, well, he's wrong. And we've all admitted that we really weren't crazy about the Ordinary Man cover. We're right. kind of tired of the bat wings. I thought it just looked a little hokey. Dan thought it looked hokey. Just a little cartoonish and cheesy. The vein of this new photo taken by Ross Halfen is absolutely what the album cover should look similar to. No question. It's a more mature Aussie with the gray hair. Tons of crosses around his neck, which I fucking love. Black suit that's tailored perfectly fit. I mean, it's just such a cool fucking picture, man. I definitely hope they stay in this vein for the album artwork. No question. And it kind of almost feels like he's dressed up as a priest to me. I don't know why I get that vibe, but with those little sashes. The, the, the sashes kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. I just feel yeah. like I got an overly religious priest vibe. And I think that's so cool because to me, I would love Ozzy to get back to that more sinister vibe. I'll be honest. I didn't like the Scream cover either. I think the Scream cover is as awful as Ordinary Man. So I think it's he probably needs... probably worse, to be honest. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. I think he needs to get back to having a great fucking album cover. The Black Rain album cover was pretty cool. The, the real one, not the grayed out one, but the real one with the Black Rain coming down, he's yeah. outside. But I would love to see something simple and sinister, and I think that's what we're going to get here. I think we can all agree we just don't want fucking wings on him this time, right? He has wings yeah. in every fucking cover he's done. I mean, it's just getting a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> Like, let's so, stay away from the wings. So Josh fucking last night texts Ryan and I and says, I found the real cover. I found it. I found it. And of course, you know, we're jumping up and down like, send it, send it. And he sends a picture and he fucking drew wings on this picture. It was pretty funny because that's the thing between <laughs> all of us because we hate the wings, man. Ever since No More Tears, it seems like Ozzy's always got fucking wings on. He's always so, got wings, man. Yeah, They're so all osmosis cover also. You just can't see him because it's too darkened in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Hats off, by the way. That was funny shit. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I couldn't resist. But yeah, real quick, I'll read the actual tweet for the listeners who may not have seen it. This came out Saturday. And it said this past Saturday and it said, I'm so happy to let everyone know that I have finished my new album this week and delivered it to my label Epic Records. I'll be sharing all the information about the album and its upcoming release with you in the next several weeks. Fuck Woo! yeah, baby. Strutting it's around awesome. like fucking Ric Flair, son. Here's yeah. a strutting. How that means we're going to have fighting. a single in the next two to three weeks. I fucking guarantee it. We're getting a for single. For sure. Beat. So fucking exciting. So for one, let's back up a touch. We've wondered what the holdup is. We thought maybe it was cardstock for the fucking final record and all that. I think the holdup was truly, Ozzy was telling us the truth. It was a slow coming, slow process on mixing. I, I've thought about this a lot, Dan. I want to see what you think. I think part of the holdup on the slow mix was that Andrew Watt has been so involved with Eddie Vader and doing the new Eddie Vader record and touring with that. Didn't he also I do wonder, the Elton John record as well? He did do the Elton record as well. But the Eddie Vader one came out like two months ago and they've toured and done shows since. Yep. So I'm wondering if that just Is didn't he play touring with Eddie Vedder? I don't think I realized that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't oh. know how much of an actual tour it is, but they're playing shows. Kind of like what, backing up to Chad Smith, he did say that also. Quick little nugget, let me throw this out there. They asked him about playing live shows with Ozzy, and he mentioned how much he would love to do that. And he said there was actually plans before the pandemic hit 
to not tour with Ozzy, but do some shows like in New York and in LA, in LA. and things that like that. That would have been amazing. Can you that would have been so fucking cool, man. We that would have been cool as shit. A hundred percent. We would have won for yeah. sure. But I think that's what they've done with AD Vader also. Like they've just done like spot up shows, maybe Chicago and not necessarily a tour, but weekends of going out and playing the big cities and stuff. But I think it's kept Watt away. And I think when Ozzy mixes, he mixes with Watt and crew. So if Andrew's not there, I don't think there's anything going on. You know what I'm saying? So I believe that might have ended up being more of the holdup than anything. What do you think? I think you're spot on for sure. The thing I'm really interested at too here, Josh, is we know they recorded 15 tracks and only 11 of them made the record because Ozzy said that in Ozzy Speaks a couple of times ago. But where are the other four songs? I'm already anxious, right? Where are the other four songs? Are we going to get a 13 edition where it's a dual double edition CD? Is it going to be a Japanese bonus? It's going to be iTunes only bonus. Is it going to be best buy bonus on the vinyl? Who the fuck knows? But there's four songs that are not on the official record. And I'm dying to find out what's going on with those. Yeah. Unless they added them in later. Who knows, man? Maybe after he said that and they kept mixing, maybe they went ahead and, and worked on the other ones and worked them all out and got them up to par to do a double release. So either way, we know if they only release 11 or 12 songs well then there's three four or five out there somewhere that'll go into the lore of hopefully someday we'll get those somewhere right i mean they're out there they've been written and recorded so let's just uh hope they go ahead and release them now with with the dual disc release i'm like you i think that would be the best route to go especially to achieve that number one album man i've stated this before on the show but if you sell a double disc album that counts as two sales I think it's got to be so many minutes. It's the about the time. Drink. Yeah. If you got four or five songs in there, it probably will be. I mean, yeah, especially I if some of these songs are longer. You know, they've made the comment that a lot of these are epics and kind of two or three songs, epics, so. right? Yeah. Excited. So, and that'd be a good marketing ploy to help get to that number one spot. So, who knows, man? Definitely exciting times. And probably by the time this episode drops, we may have more new news. Who knows? Right. I mean, for one, I was really shocked that he even made that tweet in the first place. Like, that is a very strange tweet. From Ozzy Osbourne's camp to say, I have turned my new album into the label. More news coming soon. That was very strange. I think they were aware of the fatigue going around the fan base. that They've been waiting way too long on this one. Yeah, agreed. It's weird that he said, I turned it into my label. You know what I mean? That To me, that's just, have you ever heard a rock star say that? <laughs> you no. know what I mean? It's like a very weird terminology. Yeah, that's my whole yeah. point. It was such a yeah. strange way. It was awesome. It's a fucking killer tweet. Like you said, with the cool photo. So... Just a little inside for you guys, just to kind of see how it works for us. Like Dan stays busy on the weekends. He coaches football and he has a couple of different teams. My son plays basketball and we both travel for these tournaments and stuff. And we're always just totally out of the fucking loop on weekends. It's, it's really hard usually for us to get anything accomplished. And so I've been working on when I drive, not texting and stuff. That's been my latest kick. Like I just got to quit fucking with my phone while I'm driving. Yep. And apparently Dan practices the same thing. I do. Yep. So I get to my destination and Dan gets his at about roughly the same time and ends up. And I look at my phone and Ryan had sent us the tweet the, from Ozzy. The fucking album's been turned into the record label. More information coming in, this, in the upcoming weeks. And he's so excited. And he's got big legs. He's like, fuck yeah. And it's like, guys, guys, where the fuck are you right. at? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was legit shit. like what dan like 90 minutes two hours before we either one of us replied to yeah it, it was crazy absolutely and it's just so funny because any other time we're like glued to our phones especially if one of us tweets something like that at the other one we know like oh shit it's getting ready to go it's down coming. you know what i yeah, mean yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so yeah, exciting but i gotta be honest man i thought it was weird too that he released that on a saturday I, not a friday 
yeah. yeah, you typically do news through the week, not so much on a, on a weekend. So it was uh, the last thing either one of us expected, I think, at that moment was that tweet from Ozzy at that time. But definitely fucking glad to get it. That's for sure. Yeah, that's a classic story. I was going to share it, too. So thank you for doing that. It's super exciting. I mean, I think it's an amazing picture, amazing announcement. I think they're going to really put the marketing machine into full gear. And it's going to be nothing but information here over the next several weeks. So let me ask you this one question. This is the one that I've been really thinking on. Ozzy first single do we do the classic i don't want to stop let me hear you scream radio style song do we do one of the epics like no more tears and say fuck it let's just put a classic metal track out there do we do the tony iomi song where it's like hey this is metal sabbath going on here what do you think is the best strategy here for the metal and aussie fans to really eat it up i think you already know what i'm gonna say Let's just be honest. Mainstream radio doesn't play the new material any fucking way. They're not going to play the new single just because it's a radio popular song. Not happening. I can counter that, though. Let okay. Me Hear You Scream was a number one rock radio song for the Billboard charts. It so was. It, it got a lot of love. I think I Don't Want to Stop was as well. I Don't Want to Stop was also. Yeah, it was. But this day and time in 2022, you're going to hear this song mostly on Octane, on Satellite Radio, Ozzy's Boneyard, those channels like that. I pushed the heavier Hopefully the Tony Iommi track. I, I I got the Tony Iommi track on a pedestal right now. It may let us down. I don't know. But if that song is kick-ass, No Escape From Now is the title of it, which is already kick-ass in my opinion. If that song is the lead single and it's Sabbathy and heavy War Pigs-ish, if it's a six-minute, seven-minute track, but it's full of like twists and turns and just Sabbathy fucking Tony Iommi goodness, I think you got to run with that. And I think truthfully, that's what 80% of Ozzy's fan base wants to fucking hear anyway. Part of me hopes it's up-tempo. And I I don't mean up-tempo in the way of let me hear you scream, because I think Ozzy is better when he's up-tempo as a solo artist. I just hope the Sabbath song isn't as doomy as some of the stuff that they can yeah. come up with. I agree totally. Yeah, we don't want the under the sun riff or anything to open it up. I agree with that 100%. Yeah, I would rather have it more up-tempo for sure. And I'm not talking paranoid or never say die, but just something that moves a little bit. So let's go back to 13. They released God is Dead as the first single. Eight-minute epic, kind of slow and mellow. I don't know if that's the right choice for that record. And we'll talk about that when we do an episode on it. But yeah, I think the first song I would rather see is more of... Fuck, if they got real epics on here, if we got a song like Revelation or Killer of Giants, and I know it's a little mellow, but I think the people would fucking shit a brick. Yeah. And that's essentially the same thing I'm saying. I, I don't think the three-minute song, up-tempo, radio-friendly song is necessarily the route right. any of us want to go. I think I think we're saying the same thing, but just in different ways. Like, yeah. I'm like you. I would rather hear the slower-tempoed, seven-minute epic than that as the lead single. I think you want to – let's be honest, man. Ozzy's been at this for 50-plus years. He's iconic as fuck. He's got a huge fan base. Gear it towards the fan base and not the person who may not know who he is. Agreed. Absolutely. That's how you fucking do it. And that's how you get those fucking album sales up on the pre-sale. Yeah. And Under the Graveyard was the first single off Ordinary Man. And I thought that was a great choice. For sure. Yep. I fucking love that song. But I digress. It's a classic at this point. It was a classic instantly. <laughs> it was. Really was. So this brings us to our topic. We're doing something totally off the hook today. Something totally different. You know, we were going to pick a topic. We we're going to think, should we do a deep dive? Should we do a list? Should we do a battle? Should we do another guest? And we thought, you know what? Josh came up with this idea. Why don't we ask the fans to ask us some questions to answer? And you guys came through 
with some amazing questions that we're going to get to. And we're totally impressed. We really appreciate everyone. We literally threw this out about six hours before recording. And I didn't know if we'd get 10 fucking questions or three or 30. (laughs) So in such a short notice, I just didn't know what to expect. And we ended up with around 25, 30 questions. So actually, that's really impressive. And we appreciate everyone. We do think this may be something we start doing more often. Every so many episodes, maybe doing a question segment like this, where we can answer questions from the fans who listen to the show. And we promise you, if we do it again in the future, we'll give you more time to ask questions for those of you that missed out and did not get your question in on time. We apologize. And next time we will try to give you more time for that. But in the meantime, we have plenty to fill this episode. Yep. And this is a new segment we're going to be doing, like Josh said, called Speak of the Devils. So that is this week's topic, and we're super excited to dive into some of these questions. That's right. And me and Dan are the devils, in case you all didn't pick that up. (laughs) We sure are. Me and Dan. Fucking sure. All right. I'll go first. This one came from Instagram, and this guy's name is Max Crum, M-A-X-X-K-R-U-M-M. Thanks, Max, for reaching out to us. It says, said it before, and I will say it again. Loving the podcast, guys. Two fans that really get Ozzy. Love hanging out with you two whenever a new episode drops. Here's a question for you. If you get Ozzy on the podcast and either of you could ask him one question only, what would it be and what does the other reckon his answer would be? That's interesting. I know what mine is. Well, why don't you go? I'll go ahead and go first. If we had Ozzy on the show and could only ask him one question, I would say, Ozzy, would you care to do a promo for our show? the fuck out of here <laughs> he would say i'm no. Osborne, and you're listening to diary of the mad men uh, and that'd that be would the fucking be the greatest thing and i'd listen to it every night before i went to fucking bed <laughs> so that would be mine dan <laughs> my question is probably gonna surprise you i know ozzy just like you know ozzy i wouldn't ask what's your favorite song ozzy blah, 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 blah. i would literally ask what his favorite Beatles album is. Because to me, my connection with Ozzy is also a huge Beatles queen. So I'd ask a lot of questions about the Beatles. I already know how he heard about them and learned about them. But my question would be maybe, tell me your top three Beatles songs, Ozzy. Because I think instantly I'd get a connection with him, right? He would love that question. So that would be my question to Ozzy. Very cool. When I met Ozzy, I've met him once. I went that route with the Beatles. I gave him a Beatles book. Yep. And it, it bought me time to chat with him, man. We flipped through the book together and looked at photos and, and spoke about them. So it bought me time that a lot of the other people didn't get. So I like that answer, Dan. So what do you think his answer would be? Because that's what it says. And what does the other reckon his answer would be? I so. think his answer would be Sergeant Papers, Lonely me Hearts too. Club, man. Would be his best album. Yep, yeah. for sure. I would agree I think- with you. So he's he's referenced that he's never written his Sergeant Papers yet. So always. And then for his top three songs, I'd say She Loves You, because that's the first song he heard, maybe a day in the life, because it's so iconic. And the long and winding road. I know he loves the long and winding road. My favorite Beatles song also. So interesting. Have that in common. I love that song, dude. I yeah, cried. I'm, I'm a crier. If I've, I've yes. said it on the show a million times, but when I saw Paul McCartney sing that song live, I teared up, dude. I can't help it. Fucking excellent moment. It's a fucking brilliant song. For sure. Next up, we have Brad Chamberlain, and he asked, while OzFest was a thing, which year was the best lineup-wise and performance-wise? So for me personally, my favorite OzFest, shockingly, is OzFest 96. The very, very first OzFest show I was at here in Phoenix, Arizona, and it had Ozzy, Slayer, Danzig, 
Biohazard, Sepultura, Fear Factory, and Neurosis. And that was on the main stage. And it was only at two spots, Phoenix and California. And for me, that was my favorite performance. Let's be honest, Slayer and Danzig are two of my all-time favorite bands as well. And you throw Sepultura in the mix. It was the first OzFest ever. It was just such a fucking mind-blowing experience. That was my favorite. Or it would have been OzFest 97, only because Ozzy got to perform twice. Well, you just stole my thunder with that one. I was going to say OzFest 97 also because of what you just said. You got a solo set and a Sabbath set in the same night. I mean, that's fucking stuff dreams are made of, right? (laughs) And not only that, but a Sabbath reunion. The first shows together since in 92 for Ozzy's Farewell Show. And then, of course, 85 at JFK Stadium for the uh, the Live Aid Festival. Then, of course, back to 78 before they split up, right? So it was a big deal in 1997, man, when they got back together for that show. It was fucking so exciting. And uh, everyone in the crowd was so pumped to see Black Sabbath that night. And Ozzy solo on top of it you couldn't fucking beat it and then even for the rest of the fucking lineup i'm everyone knows i'm a huge marilyn manson fan and that was manson right at the peak of his mansonisms i mean in 1997 he was the scariest guy on earth yep it was just the fucking you know, pantera it was a fucking cool lineup that year man really cool lineup and it really set the tone for what was to come for the rest of the office after that so we do both agree for me 96 i picked because it was only two spots it was very special being at the very first Ozfest. but overall i would say 97 was also awesome so we kind of agree the earlier shows were better yeah i think so i think Ozfest lost its way a little bit as it went on but 96 and 97 are just magic man you just really can't touch them yeah i agree totally all right that brings us to the next one which is mr george solano he says out of the times you've seen ozzy live can you pick a single best performance dan do you want to answer that one first or do you want me to go i actually think i know mine i know mine too so okay whatever you go want. ahead so for me ah, i hate using firsts but it's hard for me to beat the 1986 ultimate sin tour here in phoenix with jakey e. lee and randy castillo and phil susan on base it was a magical show it was my first time seeing ozzy and i will never ever forget the moment where ozzy came down in the big dragon and they kicked into bark at the moon and it's literally one of the happiest moments of my life and i'm not exaggerating so i've seen him a bunch of times 24 times but that first time was magical because i was seeing ozzy with my own eyes for the first time yeah uh just watching that on the ultimate ozzy video cassette back in the day it was one of the happiest moments of my life also so i couldn't imagine actually (laughs) being there and seeing that yeah for sure it is hard to top your first retirement sucks tour 1996 in january of 1996 is my first ozzy show and it definitely is special but when i think performance wise there's one that does stand out i've seen ozzy you said 24 i've seen 22 but i saw black sabbath two nights in a row on the 13th tour the first night i saw him was in tinley park illinois and I can't express what was different about Ozzy that night, but I had seats that were nearer the back. I had front row for the following night in Indiana. So I just kind of tacked on the Tinley Park show as a Lamont show since I'm up that close anyway. Fuck it. Let's drive a few more hours and catch two shows. And I got an awesome wife who agreed to do that with me. But I got to say, man, there was something special that night in Chicago that Ozzy was just so fucking good that night, man. He just had a different kind of spunk. I can't explain it. His voice sounded amazing physically. I don't know if he did coke that night and hadn't done it in a while <laughs> i don't know he just had a spark that night that was just different he was cutting up on stage joking with the guys wearing goofy hats throwing them in the crowd he was just singing little goofy like show tunes in between songs it was very non-typical ozzy osbourne show like if you were at that show you know what i'm talking about and that one definitely stands out for me as best performance i've ever seen from ozzy that's awesome all right up next we have 
Kuba Brinicki asks, from all collaborations that will take place on the new album, which are you waiting for the most? I love this question because there are so many awesome collaborations coming on. But my most anticipated is the Tony Iommi track. I'm not going to lie. It's Tony and Ozzy working together. There's just nothing better than that in the world. So, you know, I really am excited for the Trujillo collaboration, having Eric Clapton and Jeff Beck, and of course, Zach all over the place. But for me, standout, Tony Iommi. Yeah, dildo. Same for me also. Um, Did you say dildo? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, same for me also. And the thought that Zach has said in interviews, I'm playing with my guitar heroes. So I think Zach and Tony are going to be on this track together, man. And that excites me. I mean, it's not that I don't think Tony can handle it on his own. We know he's Tony Iommi and he's the fucking master, but there's something about the thought of the two of them together, man, that I just get really excited about. It's like the rock and roll express in 1988, man. It's just, that's the tag team I want. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. I'm excited about it. So I'm with you, man. That's, that's the one for me also. Well, if they picked riffs from Tony, maybe Zach actually is the one doing the solo on the song. That's what I want. You nailed it right there. I'm glad you brought that up. That's in my head in the perfect scenario. Kind of what I want. Like it's Tony's riffs. And Zach's on it, but maybe this one track, Tony's riffing it up and Zach's playing the solo. I think that's the perfect scenario. Yeah. Real quick while we're on this topic, you know, this is one more thing that Chad kind of harkened back to. You mentioned that he said uh, that they chose the riffs from Tony. And then Tony had previously mentioned that he recorded the track with his engineer, Mike Exeter, playing bass and drums. And then Watt and Chad Smith had re-recorded the bass and drums. So it kind of appears to us, I'm kind of jumping back to the new segment here, but that Tony just sent them a bunch of licks and they chose the three or four that they liked and then molded them into a song. And then Tony then re-recorded for the album. Is that kind of how you took it also? A hundred percent, which is exactly how they made 13. Ozzy, Tony, and Geezer got together and picked riffs that they liked. Yeah, that's fucking cool. And that gets me even more excited that they're probably going to be fucking badass riffs. They're not picking the door ones, right? Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) That's awesome. Tony, I only sends you a bag of riffs. You're not fucking picking the door ones. So that's very exciting. I have a feeling it's going to be like a classic Black Sabbath style song with it starts off doomy and slow and has that up-tempo section. And, you know, that's kind of what I'm imagining. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. But on a Aussie solo track. So it's kind of right. fucked up, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So up next, that brings us to Simon Main, who we definitely appreciate. He's a very loyal listener and is very good to reach out to us on social media and give his opinions on the topics of the latest episode. And we very much appreciate that. And Simon asked a couple questions. We can get to all of them. Fuck it. We have the time. What more do we have to do than talk about Ozzy? He says, what is your favorite support act for Ozzy that you have ever seen? That's a tough question, man. Ozzy takes out some pretty good bands. Dan, I already know what your fucking answer is, yep. you fuckhead. I you know. fuckhead. <laughs> so it's, it's you are me, correct. I'm going to go. The one that really stands out for me, and it's not that they were the best band, but that's the only time I ever saw Danzig. So getting to go see Ozzy and have Danzig open for me was pretty fucking special, especially as it's played out all these years later. I've never seen him again. So mine would be Danzig. Great answer. I mean, I saw Danzig open for Ozzy too on that Ozfest and I've seen Danzig headline quite a few times. He's coming again to Phoenix, which I think I'm going to go see. I am a diehard Danzig fan as well. Yeah. You need to go. Yeah, I really do. Cause I don't know how many times he's going to continue to tour, but my answer is clearly Metallica on the 1986 ultimate sin tour with Cliff Burton still alive. That is very special to me that I got to see Cliff live and they were fucking amazing. They were awesome. I think it's a little blown out of proportion that they blew Ozzy off the stage. They had a lot of fans, but again, Ozzy went over just 
fine that night as well. But you can't touch Metallica on the Master of Puppets store in 1986 with Cliff Burton. Yeah, absolutely, man. You're fucking very fortunate. You know, like you didn't even know. It's so funny. It's like people that saw Randy Rhodes, like, oh, you lucky fuck. Like they didn't even know they were lucky. You didn't know at the time what a historic tour you were going to and seeing Cliff Burton, seeing Ozzy with Jakey Lee. I mean, right. it's such a fucking cool show. And you, you knew you had a blast and that it was great. But at the same time, you had no idea that you were really seeing history in the making with that whole tour. Absolutely. I mean, Metallica, I was already a huge fan of. So it was kind of weird, Josh, because I swear to you, man, Ozzy was my favorite band and Metallica was my second favorite band. I was already a diehard fan of theirs. And when I found out that they were opening for Ozzy, it was kind of like, what the fuck is this like my favorite concert of all time or what? So I would already was a gigantic Metallica fan, but you're right. I didn't know at the time that it was, you know, Cliff was going to pass away a couple of months later. All right. I'll go ahead and read the next one here again from our man, Simon Maine. He says, if you could choose one band to cover one Aussie song, who would you choose? And what song would that be? That's interesting, man. Like that's a hard fucking question. I have two answers I'll give for that. Because one just came in my mind literally just now. And another, when I wrote these questions down earlier, me and Dan, by the way, are winging these off the top of our head for the most part, other than writing them down because we want our answers to be true. I was at OzFest 97, as I mentioned earlier, and Ozzy didn't perform his solo set at first. He came back and did it a few weeks later. And Marilyn Manson sung Crazy Train with Ozzy's band, and it was fucking phenomenal. Phenomenal. So I would like to hear him record Crazy Train but do it right with Ozzy's bands, not Marilyn Manson out musically. That would be one. That would be fucking really cool. But my initial thought was, I'm a big fan of the band Seven Dust, and they're probably my favorite band of the last 20 years. Actually, not probably. They are, other than you know your typical Sabbaths and Ozzy's and things. Really love Seven Dust, and I'd like to hear them do Sweet Leaf. I think that'd be a really fun track for them. I think they would sound awesome on that. That is a great answer. I love that. That would have been really cool. So for me, I'm going to choose... Ghost. I think Tobias has a great sense of melody, and I think he could do a great job on an up-tempo Ultimate Sin era song. And I think they would knock it out of the park. I'm a big fan of Ghost. I think they've done a great job of doing Ozzy melody style songs, which is why I probably like them so much. And I just think that that Ghost would knock it out of the park. Ghost would tear the fuck out of Secret Loser, wouldn't they? Right. Absolutely. (laughs) That would be cool, man. No, I think it's a good answer also. I like that. Yeah. That's really that's a great question, Simon, because I was trying to pick a band too that hasn't done an Aussie cover. You know, there's so many of them that have, but I I I'm going more Aussie solo here, not Sabbath, where I think Aussie solo would be great to hear Ghost do a cover. Yeah, I was typically thinking Aussie solo, but when I I knew I would want Seven Dust to cover, if anybody to cover an Aussie song. I knew I wanted Seven Dust. So I was like, well, which song suits them? And Sweet Leaf just comes to mind for so many reasons. <clears throat> I've smoked pot with them before. <laughs> yeah, I just think that would be a cool song for me. I, I could hear LeJean singing that fucking melody. I could hear it, man. I think it'd be really, I might need to reach out to those guys on that one. <laughs> they, need to, they need to cover Sweet Leaf for us. That'd be fucking kick ass. So next up is another really, really tough question that Simon asked, and it's this. If you had to put together an Aussie solo band without anyone who's appeared on an Aussie album before, who's the guitar player, bass, drums, and keyboard player? I really want to go two different ways here because the brain side of me would go, fuck, you know, Ozzy doing a record with Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. That would be amazing. Paul on bass and keys, Ringo on drums. And then basically at that point, you could put just about anybody on guitar at that point. But I'm going to go a little bit more of a metal direction. 
My guitar player is going to be Richie Faulkner. I think Richie was born to play for Ozzy. When he joined Judas Priest, I thought, fuck, this is the guy that should have been Ozzy's next guitar player. I think Richie is born to play with Ozzy. And that would be amazing. My bass player would be Getty Lee. I know he's older, but I think Getty Lee is such a tremendous bass player. It would be amazing to have Getty Lee in the band. My drummer is going to be Dave Lombardo, who I think is very, very diverse as a drummer and would just kill it. And my keyboard player is going to be Jens Johansson. Nice. I like it. As you were giving your answer, I was trying to think of mine. And it's kind of cheap to say it this way, but I'm going to go ahead and do this anyway. I would like to hear Ozzy with the Motley Crue band. Like Mick Mars, Tommy Lee, and Nikki Six and Ozzy would write some Oh, Tommy Lee's a great song, drummer. Tom, that's a great yeah. choice. I think that would be so fun. And I love Mick Mars playing for Ozzy. I think he would be fucking perfect for an Ozzy track. I just like it all, man. And Nikki Six is such a melodic bass player, kind of like Bob Daisley is. He's, he dances up and down the neck a lot. I'm going to go with just the Motley Crue trio of Tommy Lee, Mick Mars, and Nikki Six. I think those three with Ozzy would make fucking magic. You motherfucker, it's a great choice. I'm going to change my drummer too. Let's go Richie Faulkner, Getty Lee, Tommy Lee, and Jens Johansson. That Dude, is a fucking band. If you had Getty Lee, Tommy Lee, and Jake E. Lee, how about that fucking band? Oh, <laughs> that is it right oh. there. Oh, the Lees, Ozzy and the Lees. I we love all go it. for that shit. <laughs> all right, this one, you're going to be stranded on a desert island. What three Ozzy albums are you taking? Finally, an easy one. And I'm only going to go Ozzy solo here. So I'm not going to pick my three favorite Ozzy albums, but I'm going to pick three diverse Ozzy albums. One, Diary of a Madman. Two, Bark at the Moon. Three, Osmosis. Bam, bam, bam. Dildo. Next question. Seriously? I agree totally. Yeah, it's Bark, Bark at the Moon, Diary of a Madman. Diary of a Madman is the fucking greatest album ever written. Ever. Diary of a Madman. I'm going to go ahead and go Blizzard of Oz also. But I think my third is probably Bark of the Moon. Osmosis is right there. Everyone knows how much we love Osmosis on this show. But I think that's my three also, the first three. I agree. Wow. I only didn't pick, and I'm not saying I like Blizzard any less than the other albums, but I was trying to be more diverse. I might, dude, you got to have Osmosis. You know, you could be in a day where you're on an island and you're feeling a little depressed and you want to hear a little old LA tonight. You want to hear a little Zach Wild in there. You want to hear a little Zach Wild in there. But if I don't take Blizzard of Oz, I go Osmosis with you. So then my choices are the same as your three. But I like those four for sure. Great answer. And of course, that also suspends live albums and greatest hits and shit. That don't count, right? Yeah, you can't count that. Yeah. Yeah, never. Because otherwise, you would just do tribute, and then you're good to go. (laughs) You're right. Then you got that. But I would never do tribute because there's not enough diary on there. That's true. All right. So... Our man Simon kept on asking questions, and we're going to keep on answering them. You've got to listen to one of the following for the rest of your life. What's it going to be, Ozzy Solo or Ozzy Sabbath? Son, let me tell you, I love fucking Black Sabbath, greatest heavy metal band of all time. But it's Ozzy Solo all fucking day for me. How about you, Dan? Dildo. I guess we're going to make that part of the uh, show from now on. But (laughs) as much as I love Ozzy Sabbath, we've talked about this a lot. Actually, the three of us have. It's clearly Ozzy Solo. The first two Ozzy records are my favorite records of all time. So we love Sabbath. We love, 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 love Sabbath. But me and Josh are bigger Ozzy Solo fans. As is our man Ryan. And and as is Ryan. So definitely Ozzy Solo is the answer. And another one from Simon, who would you like Ozzy to guest with on a record that he hasn't guested with already? 
I already kind of gave my answer. This is a no-brainer for me. And thank you, Simon. You did ask a couple of tough ones, but you have given me a couple of softballs for me. This is easy. Paul McCartney. It's Paul McCartney. And it's because we want it for Ozzy above all else. I well, just want Ozzy to collaborate with him. That's my two favorite bands, too. But. Yeah. Well, yeah. For for you, that's yeah. your other favorite band of all time. Right. So, yeah, that's for you. For me, it's more of a, I would love it, and it would be fun, but I know Ozzy's always wanted to do that. And he's just falling through the cracks over and over, and... I would like to see that finally happen. So I go with Paul McCartney also. If not, if not the new Seven Dust record. So either way. <laughs> but no, I think the answer is Paul McCartney for sure. Yeah. And and I, I agree also for Ozzy. He even just mentioned it not that long ago that he would love to guess with Paul McCartney. Okay. And one more from Simon. If you were having Ozzy around for dinner, what would be the first question you would ask him and what is on the menu? I'll go ahead and tell you, bat is on the menu, right? Bat's head oh, soup. Bat's head soup. God damn it. That's what exactly what I was going to say. Because <laughs> we share a brain. Of yeah, course. exactly. The first question I would ask Ozzy is something I've wanted to ask him my whole life, and I'll never get to ask him this. Is this simple? Would you jam a song with me? I've had dreams multiple times of me and Ozzy sitting around and literally just picking up an acoustic guitar and jamming one, or picking up the, you know, going to the piano and jamming one. Much like the videos Andrew Watts put out the last few years of them just like in the studio and they'll just start playing Sweet Leaf and Ozzy joins in and they all fucking love it. I've dreamed of doing that for 20 fucking years with that man. <laughs> and I know it sounds whatever, but that would be my question. Can we jam one, please? So my question would be very similar, but a little different because definitely from a musician standpoint, I'm not a, really a jam cover type of guy it would clearly be can we write a song together because that would be my ultimate dream in my life which is i would much rather write a song with ozzy than jam bark at the moon with him for me personally if we could sit down in a room together and just jam and come up with ideas and songs and him sing a melody over a riff i've written i pretty much can die yeah, for sure. And you bought more time that way also. So great fucking answer. <laughs> that's right. Mine would last three minutes. Yours would last for a fucking night right in this song. Hey, so that sounds like you're talking awesome. about our sex life. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> has my wife been calling you? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think mine has been calling her too. <laughs> All right. So next up, we have a question from John at J. Sherv on Twitter. And he asks, what are the top three Aussie shows you guys have been to? Sabbath and Solo. So... For me, this is a great question. One of them, for sure, I've already given the answer to, which is Ozzy1986 on the Ultimate Sin Tour. Number two is the first No More Tours tour in 1992. Ozzy's solo band was on fire, and Ozzy vocally was insane that night. He was just amazing. And shockingly, my last is going to be the Ozzy Scream Tour in 2010, because I think Ozzy vocally was about the best he had been in his whole career. I have a lot of other ones. There's a lot of Sabbath ones. Retirement Sucks was great. But the end of the day, those are my top three. 1986, Ultimate Sin. 1992, No More Tours. And Scream 2010. Nice list, man. I concur. The Scream Tour was magic. So for me, the best performance I've ever seen from Ozzy, as I said earlier, was Tinley Park, Illinois, 2013 with Sabbath. So that one's on there as far as most you know, memorable and best shows I've been to with Ozzy. The original, first time I ever saw him, Rep Arena, 1996 on the Retirement Sucks Tour has to go on there. I was 16 years old and literally couldn't believe it was actually him standing in front of me. And there's just nothing that can replicate that moment of you're finally seeing your hero right there in front of your eyes and you just hardly believe it's him. 
And I'm going to kind of piggyback on Dan and go the Scream Tour, man. Nashville, Tennessee on the Scream Tour with Slash opening. That was a really fucking good show all around. I'm a big fan of the Slash band also. I love Miles Kennedy. But that was just a great show, and I had good seats. I was fifth row center stage, got covered in foam. And just a lot of good memories attached to that one. And like you said, Ozzy sounded fucking amazing. I think it's very underrated. And we've talked so much about it on the show, and we'll continue to harp on it, how much the Scream lineup was yep. fucking amazing and how they were yeah. gelling night in and night out more and more and more as that tour went on. They were so fucking good. And Ozzy just appeared to be having so much fun with those guys, man. I love that lineup, and I love that tour. So that would be my three also. Yeah, great choices, man. Love it. And one more from John uh, on Twitter at Jay Sherv. He said, what's your favorite bootlegs? Damn, John, I've not bootlegged in a while. I've always been a big bootleg guy, but that's something I guess with YouTube, I've let slide a little. One that stands out for Sabbath, I always love the California Jam bootleg. Really high quality. I enjoy that one. What other bootlegs really stand out? The, the Live in Chile, 1996 with Joe Holmes, which is like his third gig ever. That that one's around a lot on DVD audio, and it's really good quality for both. So I like that one a lot. Of course, the Axeman Cometh with Brad Gillis live in Memphis, Tennessee, 1982 is one of my favorites. Very heavily circulated, but that's such a great show. It was live on the radio. And it's fun hearing Brad play those tracks, you know, unfortunately after Randy's passing, but it's an interesting time for the group and the songs sound very different with Brad. And it's, I really enjoy that one a lot. Also, I'm going to pick probably bark at the Tokyo, which is a, a, a show from 1984 recorded in Tokyo, Japan with Jakey e. Lee and Bob Daisley and, and Tommy Aldridge. I love that era and that tour lineup. It's one of my favorites. And you know, it's really cool. They do some great stuff on there. I don't know, Mr. Crowley, over the Mountain, Rock and Roll Rebel. I, I, there's some really classic Jakey e. Lee boots that I absolutely love. But you mentioned they're all great. I, California Jam is definitely way the fuck up there. The Asbury, New Jersey show for Black Sabbath was up there before it was officially released. But I'd say California Jam for Sabbath and live in Japan in 1984. I love it, man. Yeah, excellent choices. I'm like you. That Bark of the Moon tour is kind of special. I think it's having Bob on there. I think having Bob Daisley on that tour meant so much, man, for those recordings and stuff. It's just fun to hear him and see him play on, on those bootlegs. I yeah, great point. All right, up next, we have JBL Cena Fan 2 on Twitter. What's the deal with the ultimate sin? Kind of gets ignored, then they make merch, then it's back to being ignored. Really, to me, it's the first time Oz really connected with MTV. Why are they hot and cold with this album? I love this question because we talked a little bit about this on our ultimate sin deep dive, but here's the fact. I think there's a couple of reasons why they're hot and cold on it. One, they can't deny the hot part of it is Shot in the Dark. Huge hit. The album itself, it hit six on the Billboard charts, was super successful, super popular. So he knows that he's got to acknowledge it. But the reason why it gets dissed, and we all know Ozzy calls it the ultimate din, is for a couple of reasons. One, first and foremost, Ozzy has said multiple times his favorite albums are the albums he enjoyed making the most. And we know for a fact... Ozzy didn't get along with Ron Nevison very well, and Ozzy was really struggling with Jake during this period. He was in and out of the Betty Ford Treatment Center, so he was just in a miserable place when The Ultimate Sin was made. Number two, he hates the sound of it. He did not like Ron Nevison's production at all, and I think that is a big slight on the record. Now, you got to remember, this is the first time Ozzy Solo is not working with Max Norman. And I think this is a big part of it. It's probably something I haven't even expressed to you that much, Josh. But let's go. Blizzard, Diary, Bark, all three studio albums, Max Norman. 
He did Speak of the Devil, Max Norman. He did the Mr. Crowley EP, Max Norman. He did Tribute, Max Norman. So everything he had done in his career at this point has been him and Max Norman's partnership. Everybody just associates the first two records, but Max has been with him a long time in that early part of his career. So then we get to Ron Nevison. The drums sound really 1980s, all that reverb on the drums. The guitars are very, very thin. It does not sound like an Ozzy Osbourne record. And even Ozzy's voice is a little thinner than what Max had captured him on. So I just think there was a real issue with, with Ron Nevison, and he just does not like, A, the sound of the record, and B, he did not enjoy making it. Very well stated, Dan. I mean, there's really not much I can add to that. I agree with everything you said, and you can't deny how popular the record is amongst the fan base. And like you said, Shot in the Dark was huge, but it really lays on Ozzy how much he enjoys the recording process. And the two that he has repeatedly said he didn't really enjoy was the ultimate scene in Osmosis. And sure enough, those are two albums that he kind of ignores, doesn't play those tracks live very often, and the proof is in the pudding. He just didn't enjoy the process, so therefore it gets you know shit on a little bit. And then you have a little bit of the lawsuit issues with Sharon and Ozzy and, and Phil Susan, right? Which that's all been squashed long ago. I guess it did at some point leave a black mark for that also, right? I'm like you, I do enjoy the question because they do make merchandise with the Ultimate Sin on it. There's clothing lines with the Ultimate Sin and the Dragon's Head on it and this and that. But yeah, it's never getting the remaster treatment that the others get and this and that. It, definitely a great question. I think of all the Aussie records, if anyone could have one remastered and remixed, we all choose the Ultimate Sin. No question about it because it deserves it. Yeah, I would love to hear Jakey Lee's guitars properly brought out and brought up front. Like They are in all Aussie records, so I agree with you. A, a remix in particular for the Ultimate Sin would be great. But you can't deny the cover. I think that's also why. I mean, Boris Viejo's artwork for the Ultimate Sin is fucking phenomenal, man. It's such iconic art. You can't deny that artwork. I think that's why that that keeps coming up too. That Aussie dragon, man, it's just so cool. So I think that's why it comes out a lot for merchandise. I agree, totally. Okay, the next question comes from Facebook, Mr. Kenneth Bowders. He says, what is your favorite Aussie solo artwork and favorite Sabbath artwork Aussie era? That's a fun question. My favorite solo cover, and this stuff changes daily for me. I apologize. I can't help it. I probably had to go with Diary of a Madman, but Bark of the Moon's right fucking there. I love those two. I definitely prefer the older, creepy-sounding Aussie covers as opposed to what we're doing now with the bat wings and shit. Not so much a fan of that. So I probably go Diary of a Madman. And for Sabbath... I don't know why, man. I fucking love the cover for Never Say Die. I fucking love it. I know the original's so fucking badass, but Never Say Die is iconic as shit to me. And I've always bought like the fucking t-shirts with the fucking fighter pilot on it and all that stuff. I just love the fighter pilots. So for me, it's Never Say Die and Diary of a Madman. Dan? Oh, this is easy. Solo Ozzy, it's Scream. And Black Sabbath, it's Technical Ecstasy. Busted. Love it. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, dude, damn, we, we so almost bad. didn't get the never say die album cover because we almost got that rainbow cover for uh, difficult to cure. You know, that was the, yeah. the original never say die album cover. So I'm so glad it didn't work out. Cause I love yeah. that choice, man. The never yeah, say die pilot has the surgeons on it. Right. And yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. So for me, my Aussie solo is they're going to be both predictable guys, but they're just iconic is definitely Diary of a Mad Man. You have no idea how 
I spent hours upon hours staring at that cover as a kid, counting the number of candles, trying to figure out the language on in the inside sleeve, just looking at all of the different things on the front, trying to find hidden meanings. It was a real special time in my life. I'm not going to lie. It was amazing. And my favorite Sabbath cliche, but it's fucking untouchable is the debut. It is the creepiest fucking cover ever. I fucking love it. It is man. It's still creepy. Like 50 fucking like what? 52 years later or so, you know, it's still fucking creepy. So love the answers, man. No question. All right. Up next, we have star FM and Ewenberg. Sorry. I'm probably destroying that on Instagram. Will this upcoming new album be his last? I'm going to say no, shockingly. First of all, Ozzy's not going to end here. It's a great question because he did just talk about moving to England and he's putting a recording studio in his new house. So to me, that says he is going to record more albums. I wish he'd still record another Sabbath record, but I don't think that's going to happen, even though Bill Ward has come out. But I would have to say whatever this new album is called is not going to be his last. We're going to see at least one more Ozzy solo album after this. What do you think, Josh? Yeah. I mean, when ordinary man came out, we all for a second thought, is this it? Right. And then you, you heard the track goodbye. And we all assumed this about this being, you know, his final album and, you know, all this speculation. And then, you know, within a month, Ozzy and water, like, fuck no, we're back in the studio already. Right. No shit. Right. <laughs> so, and then we all get excited. We get hard ons. Right. I I'm with you, man. I don't think so. I think Ozzy has had a passion for the past decade plus. He's wanted to write more material and record more songs. And I think the rigors of the road have taken a toll on that. And it's really impeded his time to make albums. And I think with Ozzy's ongoing health issues right now, he wants to stay busy somehow. I think we've seen our final Ozzy tour. I do think he'll play some shows somehow, some way, some form, somewhere at some point. But he's not going to be on the road all the time. And I think he fills that void in space with recording albums. I'm with Dan. I do not think this is the final one. I believe we'll have more, especially with the new studio in, in England. Maybe him and Tony get together and write some shit. Maybe it's not Sabbath, but Ozzy and Tony put out something oh, together. Who knows? Amazing. Right? Right. But I'm with you, man. I, I don't think this is it either. And I do want to just add one little caveat to this. And I want to let you know, there's at least five unreleased solo records that Ozzy has done that hopefully will someday see the light. Even if this is his last recorded record, and no, there's a lot of unreleased material, but I still think he'll record another one. All right. Up next comes from Helen Mediotis. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Helen has been on a campaign for over a decade to get signatures to get Ozzy knighted in the United Kingdom, much like Elton John and Paul McCartney, where he would be Sir Ozzy Osbourne. She wants to know, I would like for you to discuss Ozzy's knighthood on the air. This has been my campaign for over a decade, and I need everyone's support. Go over to her page at Ozzy Hell on Twitter at O-Z-Z-Y-H-E-L-L and give her page a follow. Sign the fucking petition, man. Let's get Ozzy United. I, it would be fucking awesome. Sir Ozzy Osbourne sounds really fucking good to me. What do you think, Dan? I don't know how much Ozzy would like it personally, but I think the fans would love it. Of course he deserves it. What other name can Ozzy be called but Sir Ozzy? I mean, it just fits fucking perfectly. You know, you have Sir Elton and all these great legends and Ozzy definitely deserves to be up there with them. Sir Ozzy needs to happen and let's support her campaign and get over there and, and definitely push it and sign the petition. I think you would like it actually. Do you? And yeah, I do. And for the record, my dog's name is Sir Zach Wild. So nice. He's been knighted. All right. Up next, we have Turn Your Body to a Corpse, who, first of all, has the most awesome Sabbath collection I think I've seen. 
he's got the coolest boots and you guys got to follow this guy. He's amazing. And thank you for getting the question in there. We love him. I'm telling you, his boot collection is unparalleled. It's fantastic. What he asks is, what are your top five Aussie guitar players? So obviously I'm going to go one Randy. I'm going to put all of this to post Sabbath. I'm not going to include Tony, Jake and Zach. You just have to put them in there. I think I would put Gus on the list and then Brad Gillis for me. Nice. Uh, when I was going through that in my head as you was reading the question, I didn't think about Brad Gillis. Now I'm kind of fucked up. Ugh. Number one is Randy Rhodes. No question about that. For me, Zach is two, Jake three, Gus four. So we're on par so far, right? Yep. It's hard, man. It's hard to beat Brad Gillis. I've seen him live with Night Ranger one time and he's fucking phenomenal if you've never seen this guy live in person he's really damn fun to watch because he dances all over the stage and plays guitar like a motherfucker so i'm, I'm going with you man i'm dildoing your list and nice. in your top five the work he does on speak of the devil just top notch man i fucking still love to hear it and he also asks post sabbath and not counting the early 80s which ozzy do you think is the best time for ozzy's voice and physical state well this one's easy for me I think clearly it's osmosis era. So those mid nineties, he was on fire vocally and I'm sure you have the bootlegs and the demos and all of that, but from a studio standpoint, nothing touches osmosis. It's the greatest voice outside of maybe sabotage of his whole entire career. Even the demos in that period, Amy voodoo dancer back on earth. His voice is incredible on that era. So I say the osmosis era. Yeah, I'm right behind you. I'm going to go the No More Tears era. I think his voice was better on Osmosis, but I think he was in a touch better shape live on the No More Tears era. So I'm I gonna agree with you. Yep, I agree. Back just a little bit, but pretty much right there from the early 90s to mid 90s, I think we both agree is the era where Ozzy was at his best vocally and physically. He was fucking on fire and he looked amazing back then. Yeah, his physical shape is definitely No More Tears era. Great call on that. But vocally, in the studio, he was pushed more on osmosis. Live, I agree with you a thousand percent. It was that No More Tears tour. Okay, up next, that brings us to Jonathan Christensen. It'll be interesting to hear your thoughts on the recording sessions of Black Rain, because apparently in those sessions, they recorded two albums, but only released one. Well, Jonathan, as far as I know... Dan may know something that I don't. I think they released everything from that session. What you could be referring to is that the bonus tracks are better than the tracks on the fucking record. And that's something me and Dan discuss almost every episode because we will never understand. Nightmare, Love to Hate, and I Can't Save You are probably maybe the best three tracks recorded in the entire session, in my opinion. Dan, do you oh. know anything more that was recorded that we don't know about? No, I think that's the whole session. I think maybe what Jonathan's referring to in 1999 before Down to Earth there is a whole record that has been recorded and not released. And there's also Ozzy Land, which also has not been released. So we know of a couple albums that haven't been released, but I do not ever, ever remember hearing Kevin Cherko or Ozzy or Zach Wild talking about material that they recorded that they didn't release. Now, maybe Zach Wild and Mike Borden, who got together to write that record musically, ideas and riffs that Ozzy didn't sing on, but... I think they released everything they recorded. And certainly not another album's worth of, of leftover B-sides. I'm pretty sure we've got what there is from that session. And like we said, the bonus stuff is the best stuff of the session. That's definitely the head-scratcher moment for that record. It's just who decided to leave those tracks off the main album. Yeah, that's a mind-blower. Mind-fuck, for sure. 
Dan and I can't wait to ask them that question when they on the show. Someday we will have someone on here we can ask that question to. All right, we're going to finish up with our man, Dan Kushney. Why don't you take this one, Josh? So, yeah, Dan, another excellent listener who is often chiming in on our social media accounts, letting us know his opinion on the topics of the week and what all we've been discussing. And, of course, excited for the new Aussie record, and he's always chatting us up about that. He chimed in with a couple of questions. The first one says, I usually get CDs instead of vinyl, as I like to rip albums to a lossless format to enjoy them at high fidelity. Which media format will you be choosing once pre-orders go up and why? Well, that's easy. Every fucking one of them. Yeah. It's a new Aussie record. We're buying the fucking CD. We're buying the import. We're buying the picture disc. We're buying the fucking vinyl. We're going to get them all, man. And we're going to push it to fucking number one on the billboard. How about you, Dan? Yeah, this is my favorite question. Honestly, this is my favorite question. because This is the one I looked at and went, oh, yeah, this is the easiest question for me to answer. Every fucking one. I mean, I think I own like six or seven copies of fucking Ordinary Man. So, yeah, definitely. We will buy it on CD. We would buy the deluxe edition. We'd buy the vinyl. We'd buy the picture disc. Fuck, I might even just download the goddamn iTunes, too, just to get another sale going for Ozzy. So we buy them all, but I will probably listen to it mostly on vinyl. And I'm more of a CD guy when it comes to that. Me and Dan do differ there a little bit, but yeah, I'm more of a CD person. He's a vinyl person. I have a huge CD collection, though, but I've just recently, about two years ago, really gotten back into vinyl. And that's cool. And read recently, I sent it to you that CD's making a comeback, actually. CD sales yeah. were up for the first time in like 12 fucking years or something, right? So I'm a little crazy, Josh. I buy them both. So if it's a band I love, I buy the CD and the vinyl. I buy them Me both. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're insane. But I prefer to listen on CD. I prefer to listen on vinyl. Uh, definitely older records. The newer stuff... I'm 50-50 because like Ordinary Man sounded like shit on vinyl. I'll just it say did. it. It sounded it terrible. So Ordinary Man, I'd rather listen to on CD. And I bought the new Manson, We Are Chaos. It sounded like shit on vinyl also. The newer albums on vinyl just aren't cutting it for me. Yeah, but if I'm going to listen to Bark, I'm probably taking my 1983 epic 1983 edition vinyl that I bought when it came out. For sure. I get yeah. it. All right. Next up, he says, do you think there's a scope for a documentary film about Ozzy's life over the past two or three years? about the writing and recording of the two recent albums? And is this something you'd be interested in? Now, for me personally, it's another great question, Dan. I would be way more interested in a documentary about the last three years of Ozzy's life, writing and recording Ordinary Man and whatever the new album is, than another documentary on his life. I'm going to share something here. I rarely watch the new Ozzy documentaries because it never brings anything new to me. I'm not trying to sound cocky, but I've seen it a thousand times. If it was a new documentary on the writing and recording of one of his new records, I would be drooling at the mouth to watch something like that. Dildo. Yeah, no question. The only thing about watching a documentary about the process of these albums that would be sad is just that Ozzy's physical state is so down right now. Like, I'd hate to see him laying around looking all slouchy and just kind of out of it. But at the same time, I love, and I know Dan does also, we love behind the scenes, like studio footage and shit like that. That's what we love. So, yeah, if we could have a documentary that showed the making of Ordinary Man and the new record and how that came together, I would definitely be down for it because I'm just like Dan. I watched God Bless Ozzy and some of the other documentaries, Nine Lives of Ozzy. But like you said, it's, it's just truly rinse and repeat with those documentaries for the most yeah. part. It's the same old stories over and over. So, yeah, I would totally be down for a, an in the studio of the last few years. And Dan, that's a good question, Dan Kushney, because – there is a lot of story to tell there, you know, between Ozzy's being sick and then falling and then having the surgeries and then his Parkinson's flaring up. 
overcoming that adversity to release these two new records, which, you know, we know how great Ordinary Man is, and hopefully the next one is even better. And there definitely is a story to tell there. I, I agree totally. So that brings us to the next question. It says, with Zach Wilde reportedly playing rhythm guitar on much of the new album, how could the new record possibly be in the same vein as Ordinary Man? Surely it must sound markedly different because of Zach, even if Andrew Watt has once again done most of the songwriting. Well, you kind of answered your own question there, I believe. Andrew Watt did most of the songwriting. So even though Zach is going to put his stamp on it, and with Zach's stamp, it'll sound more like a classic Aussie record, Andrew Watt still wrote the fucking tracks. Kind of like when you listen to Down to Earth, it's Zach, but it doesn't quite sound totally like Zach because he didn't write a lot of those songs. Matter of fact, I don't think he wrote any of those songs. Nope, none. This album is going to sound like an Andrew Watt record with Zach Wilde on guitar, and that's why I'm excited about it. I mean, to be honest, I think it's the best case scenario for the record. Watt has a fresh sound for Ozzy. I loved what he did on Ordinary Man. And I think hearing Zach bring those to a whole other level is nothing but positive all around. If Zach wrote the record with Ozzy, honestly, I would be less excited about it. I would think we'd be looking at Black Rain Part 2. I'm very excited for Andrew Watt's vision, but with Zach being the fucking guitar monster that he is playing it. So I think you nailed it. The two albums that come to mind are A, Down to Earth, and B, Scream, right? One was written with different writers, and Zach played on it. The other one was written with Kevin Churko and Adam Wakeman, and Gus G played on it. Obviously, both records got better because of the guitar playing, because Gus is amazing on Scream, and Zach is, of course, phenomenal on Down to Earth. But I think at the core, the album's going to be similar. I imagine a song like Dreamer off of Down to Earth, which is a very Beatlesque track that Ozzy did with Zach's flavor and sound on it. And you know Andrew Watt's going to write a couple of more Beatles-style songs, because that's what Ozzy loves. I think that's going to be different. I think it's going to be Andrew Watt's outlook on the record. Like, I think Andrew Watt this time is going to go in and say, we have longer time to write it. I want a few more epics. I think the people that are listening complained about this and a little bit of this, and I'm going to give them what they complained about. So I do think it's going to be a little different, but I think it's going to be different because of Andrew Watt's vision more than Zach Wilde's playing. Agreed, totally. And let's give a kudos to Andrew Watt, whether you like him or not. It takes a big person to say, I just wrote and recorded this amazing Aussie record. But when I look at the fan base and I read the comments on blabbermouth.net and all these other websites, they miss Zach Wilde. To make this one even better, I'm going to step back. I'm going to write it with you, but I'm going to step back and let Zach play the fucking rhythms and give his stamp on it to make it even that much better. It takes a big person to do that. And you know Zach's going to solo on it, too. Listen, how can you be a, a guitar fan and not be excited for this record? I'm being honest. You can say yeah. what you want about anybody I've seen on Blabbermouth, and I'm not going to get into it, but you got Eric fucking Clapton, Jeff Beck, Tony Iommi, Mike McCready, Josh Home, and Zach Wilde. Jesus Christ, this is guitar playing the it's ultimate royalty. guitar playing. It's fucking yeah. royalty. So... I think that's how it's going to be different. Well, this is what I think happened. Andrew Watt read, oh, Andrew Watt isn't a good solo player. The guitar solos are weak, even though Slash is on some tracks. Andrew Watt said, really? Guitar solos are weak? Check this shit out. Boom. Phone call here, phone call there. Now it's going to be shredding all over the place. Not yeah. shredding in the in the style of Ingve, Shredding great guitar solo playing all over this fucking record. Yeah, I think Andrew constructively listened to the criticism of Ordinary Man and said, okay, so if we're going to do another, what can make it even better than this one? And that was one of the complaints is, you know, his guitar playing. I think he's a fucking phenomenal guitar player. And I think his I solos are great. And Slash's solo, I've said it on the show 15 times, I'll say it 16 tonight. Slash's solo on Ordinary Man is 
fucking stellar bad fucking ass. I don't care what anybody says. That song, he nailed that solo fucking perfect. Okay, they want they want Zach. We'll give him fucking Zach. I mean, you've debated this a little bit online. I think Andrew will still be on the album also. I think his tracks will still be there with Zach's multiple guitar tracks, but they want Zach. We'll give them Zach. Okay. You want Tony Iommi? We'll give you Tony Iommi. I mean, why not? He's reached out. One thing about Andrew, man, he loves to grow his brand and reach out to different people. We don't know him as a human being, but he must be really likable because once he works with somebody just once, for example, Ozzy comes in and does the Post Malone track. Bam. He does Ozzy record. Elton John comes in and does the Aussie track. Bam, he does an Elton John record. Right. It's over and over and over. That once people get a taste of this guy, they want to fucking record and work with him. He must be a fucking blast to hang out with and a super fucking chill guy. And clearly he knows what he's doing in the studio because it keeps growing for him. Amazingly, Ozzy isn't his best-selling shit. I mean, these Post Malone and Justin Bieber albums are selling fucking millions and millions of copies all the time. But part of being such a good producer is he knows when to step back and let someone else take the fucking reins. All right, our last question of the night also comes from Dan Kushney, and it says, Ordinary Man was obviously an album filled with doom and gloom. Ozzy sang of self-hatred, fear of death, and everything being so over. Do you think it is likely to be the same this time around? And how would this change your perception of it once we've had time to look back and soak it all in? Great question, Dan. And I believe we're going to get the same themes on this record, personally. You know, Ozzy's in a place in life that He's getting older. He understands his mortality. He looks back at his life and likes to reminisce. I do think we're going to get very, very similar self-doubt. That's who Ozzy is as a person. That's the Ozzy go-to, even isolated man from 13. I mean, it's been going back for a little while now that Ozzy's self-doubt just creeps into his lyrics. We're going to get his fear of death. I do think we'll get some other things like Coley for Tonight on Ordinary Man. We might get a couple of songs that Ozzy brings in that maybe he saw a documentary on or, you know, something he wants to write about, like you want to write about aliens. I, I think we'll have a couple of things like those epics. My gut feeling is maybe we have a revelation Mother Earth part two or part three, because I think he's already wrote the sequel to it. So maybe he talks a little bit about the destruction of the earth. So I do think we'll get a couple of different things, but make no mistake about it. We're going to get the doom and gloom about Ozzy's self-doubt and mortality. Yeah, I agree totally. And on top of that, I think this album is going to have a heavy theme of COVID and isolation. Like you said earlier, you know, being you know quarantined and this whole pandemic, it was written. Let's not forget, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic now, but the beef of this album was written and recorded right in the fucking holy thick of the pandemic. And Watt had COVID and got extremely sick for like three weeks. So I think it's going to have a feel of doom and gloom also, but mostly from a standpoint of the pandemic. I think that's going to be the difference, but we'll see. I'm cool with doom and gloom on an Aussie record. How about you? Of course. I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I love Ozzy when he is real and Ozzy's yeah. self-doubt is something. And we've talked about this a lot that makes Ozzy very human, very likable and very relatable. Yep. Absolutely. And also Dan, we know two of the song titles, no escape from now, which is a great fucking title. And I know you've been pushing for that to be the album title, which I would have to agree would be killer. And patient number nine, which is also very intriguing. Who the hell knows which direction he goes with that? I do think we're going to get a couple of different things, but there will be some doom and gloom. But just as an FYI, those are the two song titles we know so far. And patient number nine has a COVID feel to it. You know, that has a pandemic feel. So who knows, man? It's exciting times. We have a new Aussie record on the way. As of press time, like we said at the beginning of the show, Aussie tweeted to the world that the album has been turned in. 
to Epic Records, and who knows, man, it's a matter of days. We may sign in and do a video for a new single release before this episode even drops. Who knows? Hopefully it drops this week with a new single, right? Yeah. This is what I got to say. In two to three weeks, dude, we're going to know the track listing, the album cover, and a new single. Get fucking ready, people. At the very least, a new single in the next three weeks. I think it's a definite. Yeah. So exciting times, man. In the meantime, we appreciate everyone for reaching out with your questions and comments. We will probably do this again, Dan. I really enjoyed this episode. How about you? I loved it. I love interacting with our fans. You know, you were out there last week, did a live show. So fans can continue to look for that. Josh, when he has time, and then maybe I'll do it too if I have time and I'm not trying to be Vince Lombardi all the fucking time. But I loved it. This is a great episode. I hope our fans enjoy it. Keep bringing those questions. And like you said, let's make sure that we absolutely give them more time next time. Absolutely. All right, guys. We appreciate you listening. And until next time, we will see you on the other side. It's the funniest thing. We got to tell this inside story to the listeners yeah. real quick. Hey, let me so just like, pee real. Let me just pee real quick. Yeah, I, I'm dying. All right, hold I on. I'm gonna get you a fucking urinal. I know. One second. Dan pisses so much. I thought I was really bad, but like Dan pisses a lot more than I do, and I piss a lot. I piss like I don't know. If I'm at work for eight hours, I probably piss like five times, you know. And I bet Dan pisses six times. He pisses so much. You'll probably hear this when he goes to edit the show. We both edit the show. We split it up in half, but hopefully this is this is his half so he can hear this and call me out on it. Call me a motherfucker. And that New York accent that he develops every now and then. All right, I'm back. Sorry. It's okay. All right. I feel much <clears throat> better. I was doing a dance over here. I was like, fuck. <laughs>